Welcome back to the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message from Psalm 107, 10 through 16. God frees the prison. Here's Pastor Tim. There's one more issue that I want to share with you today. Number four. And appropriately so on a day like this, the prisoner is fatherless. The prisoner is fatherless. With that final phrase in mind, and there was none to help. It makes me ask the question about who who should have helped? Who should have been there for this person? Who should have been there before they fell? Who should have been there for them after they fall? My first initial answer is his father. And yet when I look through this passage, he is mysteriously absent. That's the case in a number of those who are physically incarcerated in prison. There's a judge in Tennessee who deals only with felony cases. He said in his courtroom, in his experience, over 90% of the cases that come before him is a defendant who's grown up in a fatherless home. Listen to some of these other Statistics. These come from the U.S. Census, from the Department of Justice, from the Department of Corrections, and from Centers of Disease Control. 43% of children in America live in a home without their father. Almost half. A home is not designed to be fatherless. And yet nearly half of our children grow up that way. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 70% of youths in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. 85% of all youths in prison in Fulton County come from fatherless homes. 39% of all jail inmates across America come from fatherless homes. Bottom line to me to all those things is simply this. Boys and girls need a father. They need a father who is physically present. They need a father who is emotionally present. They need a father who is spiritually present. They need and long for their dad. There's some, obviously, who grew up in a home where they would say, it would have been better if I didn't have a father than the father I had. The sad part of that is is that when dad at home is not good and merciful and gracious, that they begin to project those things on God. And so they don't cry out to God when they look to help because for whatever reason, they begin to think that their heavenly father is going to be like their earthly father. Listen to me clearly. No matter what kind of home you grew up in, God does not change. 
The umbrella of this passage is an umbrella of truth. God is good. God is merciful. God is gracious. I may be asking the question, who are they? And coming up with all of these different answers from this passage. But the real question is, who is God? In the midst of my circumstance, who is He and is He worth crying out to? What these prisoners have discovered is that yes, yes, He is indeed good. He is indeed merciful. And He can be counted on. So my second question is this, what happens when they cry out to the Lord? If a prisoner cries out to the Lord for mercy and for help, what does he get? I mentioned to you last week that there are a pair of verses that are repeated throughout this chapter and are repeated in each one of these four sections. The verses that we look at today are verses 13 and 15. And from each one of those verses, what I learn is this fourfold pattern of crying out to the Lord. So let me give them to you. Number one, you may already know this. If you were here last week, you already know. Number one, the prisoners were grieved. The prisoners were grieved. Now I'm reminded in verse number 12 that these people have found no one capable or maybe just simply no one willing to help them in their past. But look at verse 13. They have become fully aware that they are completely and utterly alone. Because verse number 13 says, Then, then, When they recognize their own situation, when they recognize where their actions have led them, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Trouble is that word for a hard, tight place. They have gotten themselves in trouble and do not see any way out. Maybe they've tried. I would assume that they have. That they've tried everything they know to make life better and turn their situation around. But what was their own doing to get into this, which is what verse 11 is about. If it's their own doing to get in, maybe they think it's got to be their own doing to get out. And it's just not. They are there because they have rejected God and His Word. But they've come to a point where they are grieved. And so grieved over their circumstances that they're willing to lay down their pride. I mean, I would think that a person who has rejected God in the the terms that that these passages talk about has, has probably cursed God has probably talked about that amongst their friends. But yet now they come to a point to where they can't look around. 
They can only look up. And pride finally gives way to humility. And they humble themselves before the Lord. A big, big step. And they simply cry out to Him. Maybe it's simply the words, help. Help. God, I am in trouble. And I don't know how to get out of this. Help. The prisoners were grieved. Number two, the Lord was gracious. Because not only did the Lord hear their prayers, just as He promises, He acted He acted in goodness, he acted in mercy, he acted in grace. Look at the end of verse number 13. And he saved them out of their distresses. Again, I find it interesting that this word is plural. Not that he just saved them out of their distress, but that he saved them out of their distresses. All of those little things that just combined and compiled again and again and again, like wave after wave after wave, like a snowball running down the hill. And when they've asked God to help them, God helps them from all of their distresses. How does he do that? What does he do for them? Look in verse 14. Verse number 14, it says, He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death. I mean, that's where we started. In verse number 10, they are sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death. They've not done anything to be able to improve their situation. There they sit. And yet the Bible says it is God who brought them out of darkness. It is God who brought them out of the shadow of death. They cried out to the Lord, and He saved them from all of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death. And look at this. And broke their chains in pieces. Those chains that were supposed to keep them and bind them and hold them in the lifestyle that they are in. God has broken habits that have become addictive that you just cannot seem to ever get away from. God can break. You don't need a 12-step program. (laughs) You need a two-step program. Cry out to the Lord and let Him help you. Notice verse number 13. I don't think that God uses this word arbitrarily. It says that He saved them. That's where it really begins, doesn't it? That's where a person finds freedom. My sin has me in bondage and will keep me in bondage for forever. But Jesus comes... Jesus takes on the punishment of my sin. Jesus takes on the penalty of my sin. And he pays the price that it would take me an eternity to pay. He pays it in my stead. And says that if I would only trust Him, if I would only turn to Him, repent of my sins and place my faith in Him, that He would save me 
and He would set me free forever. The prisoner may remain locked away for the rest of his natural life, but can be set free by the power and truth of the gospel. On the flip side, a person may never ever step foot inside of a prison cell and yet be imprisoned by their own sinfulness. The same gracious power that it takes to set the prisoner free will set you free too. Number three, the prisoners were grateful. The prisoners were grateful. I mean, gratitude is the right response, isn't it? When when God provides what I cannot provide for myself, when God delivers me from where I am stuck, when, when God breaks the chains that bind me, how can I not be thankful? Listen, that second pair of repeated verses, and this one is verse 15. It begins by saying this, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness. It's an appeal, isn't it? It's, it's a recognition that we take God's goodness for granted. That we take God's mercy for granted. And he says, oh, that men and women and boys and girls, oh, that they would give thanks to the Lord. That they would give thanks with their life. That they would give thanks with their lips. That they would give thanks to Him. That they would give thanks to others. The prisoner who has been set free understands that he has great gratitude to offer. Too many times that we ask God to do things for us, He provides, and then we forget. It's not just that we forget what He did. That's not not really the issue, is it? It's that we forget Him. We use Him the same way a criminal tries to use his friends. Just to get something that we want. God's looking for a greater and deeper and more personal relationship with you than that. So let me give you number four. The Lord was glorified. That's the culmination of this fourfold process. When a person cries out to the Lord, ultimately what happens is the Lord is glorified. Look at the end of verse number 15. It says, and for his wonderful works. In other words, I'm giving thanks also for his wonderful works to the children of men. It's not just that I'm thinking in my heart, boy, thank you, Lord. Hey, that's, that's, that's good. Thank you for answering my prayer. It's me thanking the Lord in front of my friends, in front of my family, in front of others. It's about declaring to them what God has done for me. When I do that, it brings God glory. It brings God honor. It exalts Him and it exalts His name. God is glorified when His people glorify Him. I'm just telling you, there's no better person to glorify the Lord than the person who has finally, finally been set free. Let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with me.
If I were to ask you today, if you are free, how would you answer that? Let me, um, at this junction, let let me mention three truths to you about your freedom and your lack of freedom. Three truths that I've mentioned to you before, that, but I feel compelled to mention to them, again, them to you again today. Here they are. Number one, you are free to choose. You're free to choose. You're free to choose Christ or not Christ. You're free to choose an action or an inaction. You're free to choose a spouse or not a spouse. You're free to choose a job or not a job. You're free to choose. But number two, you're not free not to choose. In other words, you don't get to sit, you do not get to sit in your chair today at the invitation and say, I'm just not going to respond to that. I'm just going to think about it and, and I'll get around to that later. No, that is a choice, isn't it? You're not free not to choose. Number three, here's the biggie. You're not free to choose the consequences of your choice. You're not free to choose the consequences of your choice. You don't get to choose what you want to do and then choose how that turns out. You're free to make your choice and then you have the consequences that come with it. As you think about that question, are you free? Those may be the questions that you really need to ask your own soul. Do you need to give your heart to Jesus today? You can. Today. I mean it right here, right now. Do you need to plant your life in our church? You can do that. Is is there some sin that you so struggle with that you in your own heart, you could admit, but even if you wouldn't admit it to anybody else, that you're in bondage to that? Don't you want to be free? I'll pray with you if you want me to, but really, why don't you just come to the altar? Spend time with you and the Lord. Let Him free the prisoner today. Jesus, I ask your blessings today over every person that's in this room that you would restore, that you would revive, that you would save and deliver, that you would set free. I pray today for my friend who is a prisoner and sits in a jail cell living out the consequences of his own actions. Father, I pray for him today that your Holy Spirit would bring conviction, repentance, faith, genuine salvation to his life. Set him free while he finishes his sentence. Father, for those that are in that same boat today, I pray for them too. Do what you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with me where you are. If you want to come to me, come on. If you want to come to the altar, come on. Sean, lead us as we sing. 
You are free to choose. The choice has consequences, but you must choose. Joshua states it this way in Joshua 24:15. Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Today, we must choose. We pray that you will choose new life through salvation in Jesus Christ today. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That address is church office at BrittDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.